welcome to the NC Students Podcast. NC Students is the middle school and high school ministry of Northland Cathedral in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information on NC Students and Northland Cathedral, please visit www.northlandcathedral.org. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this week's message. Well, it is week three of our series, Between You and Me, which is a series on prayer. I've already said that. Uh, Heather kicked us off two weeks ago saying that, hey, God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. And the idea was, however you view God, whatever you think of God is going to affect how you approach your relationship with him. If you don't think that he loves you and wants to spend time with you, then you're not going to want to spend a whole lot of time with him, right? But he does love you and he wants to spend time with you. Then last week, uh, we talked about how God wants to talk to you about your life. But you're only going to hear him if you listen. And so sometimes we pray monologue prayers and God never gets a word in because we don't give him a chance to. And I, I, I gave a crazy ratio of talk for a minute and listen to four. I'm the one who said that from the pulpit, from this platform or this floor. But I don't necessarily always get that right either. I find myself maybe God re- reminding me of something or speaking something. And it's, and it's not like a burning bush moment. But then I want to just talk like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of want to talk. But I got a story for you, and it's kind of a confession based on last week. I, I, I'm the one who spoke last week that God wants to speak to you. And you have to listen, so we should pray to listen. And that was seven days ago. Well, about four or three days ago, I forget the exact time. Uh, I got up early in the morning to pray. Told God about the things that I'm thinking, the, 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 the problems. Not, they're not huge problems, but my problems in life. And asked him for some directions, some insights, some answers. And there was nothing. And for a moment of insecurity, I thought, boy, have I just lied to a whole room of teenagers telling them that God wants to speak to them about their life. And now they're going home and they're going to come back this week and say, you lied to me, Jerome. And maybe they're not discouraged thinking, well, Jerome sold us a bill of goods saying that God wants to speak to me about my life if I listen. I sat there and listened and it was super awkward and I didn't hear the answer I was looking for. I didn't hear... I don't know about you, but like, I, prayer has not been my number one go-to in my relationship with the Lord. It should be. I honestly think I could have lived a better Christian life, be a better father, be a better husband, be a better youth pastor if I dedicated more time to prayer. And I'm growing in this process. But when you hit road bumps like that, like, okay, God, I'm here, and crickets, doesn't that just seem discouraging? Anyone else ever been discouraged? Like, oh, where are you in this? You don't have to raise your hand. Are you raising your hand with a question? Are you like amening that? Like, yeah, me too. Amen. You're like the, you're just kissing up to the youth pastor. You're already my favorite, baby. It's, so, it's all right. I don't, no. Um, yes, I do have favorites here. Just get over it. That's my, that's my kid. Um, but let me tell you what. I didn't hear the answer I was looking for. I didn't, get the, I didn't get the direction I was asking for. But I think perhaps I got something better. And it kind of changed the whole direction of where I'm going today with the seed of this message. Um, If you have your Bibles, turn with me. Turn with me to Psalm chapter 37. Speaking of prayer not being my strong suit, Psalms are not my strong suit, but I seem to be there as we talk about prayer because they are songs and prayers of the heart. Psalm chapter 37 is a psalm written by, anyone who want to take a guess, maybe it's in your Bible and you can see it right above it. Not all the Psalms are written by the same people, but this person, you may know. I have a, I, it's funny that I'm flipping pages and I have this thing. Um, who wrote Psalm 37? Psalm of David. 
My Bible says, he will not forsake his saints. This is not scripture. This is editor's comments. And it says, of David, in the very beginning there. Now David, before we read this thing, David is very familiar to us. Why is he familiar to us? He killed Goliath. He told Saul, I don't want your armor. I'm going to go out there and do this thing. He had some sort of crazy faith in God to be present and to be active and to do something. Um, what else did David do? He, he didn't just kill Goliath. He killed Uriah and stole his wife. That's kind of on the other end of the spectrum of mighty man of God. But the Bible over and over says again that he is a man after God's own heart. And he writes this. You can see later on in, verse, in chapter 37, he says, Now I'm an old man, reflecting back. He writes, essentially, what is true of God, and, and, and it's instructive, what we should do and not do. But it's not just instructive that we should do it and not do it because David said so, but because just as David found out in his relationship with the Lord, we too find these things to be true. And I know you're saying, well, wait a minute, how do we find these things to be true if God doesn't give us the answers we're looking for? Let me just read a little bit of what David has found to be true and what we also will find to be true. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's a long psalm, but bear with me in the very, very beginning here. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Don't fret. Don't, don't freak out. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade away like grass and wither like the green herb. Now, just let me pause there. This will remind you that David was anointed king as a teenager but spent most of his 20s running away from Saul, who was trying to kill him, living in caves. His circumstance was rough. But here's the same man saying, fret not. Don't envy evildoers. Saul was an evildoer who threw spears at him because he was jealous. He was intimidated by who David was meant to be. He was chasing him down. David had the opportunity to kill him and take his life, but he didn't. And then Saul went back to his nice palace. And for being super evil, he had things pretty nice, right? Things were pretty good for him. You ever, you ever look at other people and say, man, I'm trying to serve the Lord and their life seems so much better than mine. That's kind of discouraging. But David says, don't freak out. Fret not. Let me keep reading. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's hard to say when you live in a cave, but sure, okay. Delight yourself in the Lord, that there's something to be delighted about in this relationship. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. He's saying, you're going to be proven to be innocent. You're going to be proven to be right, but you don't even have to fight your own battles. Trust in God to do that. When you commit yourself to him, be still before God and wait patiently for him. Who here is an expert at being patient? I'm not patient with like my kids, much less God. Actually, I'm far less patient with God. Um, if you were listening to my prayer the other day, you would know that. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. It is just a little while, in just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in an abundant place. Now, now, let me just say this. David is giving instruction because he's lived this life out and he knows that his relationship with God, and it's he's seen how this has taken place. But it's not like he knew exactly how it's going to play out. He just knows this is true of God. The details, 
the actual facts of how those things would fall, how the evil, the wicked would fade away. And I don't know that he knew that before that actually happened, but he knew God. Now he goes on in verses 12 through 22. I'm going to skip 10 verses there, otherwise we'll be here all night long. And talks about the wicked and how they'll perish and, and, how, um, and how wicked they are. Verse 23, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Once again, there's that word delight. Delighting in the Lord, in the Lord's way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young. Now here's where he says he's old. I have been young and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken for his children begging, or his children begging for bread. He is, ever, he is ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. And then let me skip to the very end of this chapter, verses 39 and 40. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. The Lord helps those and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. That last verse in particular. He's our stronghold. He's the one who we run to in time of trouble. Yet we go to him in prayer and we don't get the answers we're looking for. I told you at the beginning of this message, I went to prayer and did not get the answers I was looking for. And I sat there and I thought, I'm a liar. <laughs> These kids are going to come back and be like, you lied to me, Jerome. Did anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. But I am curious. Maybe you get home last week and you said, I'm going to pray to listen. And maybe you found yourself disappointed and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to call Jerome out in front of everybody, but I'd be interested because this message I believe is for you because what I found when I stuck it out just a little bit longer was not the answers I was looking for, but something far greater in my time of praying to listen. See, I think the problem with last week's message is I wasn't super clear. I said this, God wants to speak to you about your life, but you'll only hear him if you listen. I didn't say God wants to give you your answers, and you only hear him if you listen. I said he wants to speak to you about your life. And I think when we hear something like that, even when I preach something like that, I can go to prayer and hit God up with all my answers and not get all my questions, not get my answers and find myself disappointed. If God would give us all the answers if we just went and listened, then what makes him different than Google? We live in that world where I got a question. We all take out our phone, we open a browser, we type in something and we get an answer almost instantaneously. Do we not? Google gives me grammar. Google gives me uh, conversion chart. I mean like what is so-and-so, like, okay, we live, in, we live in the Philippines and we have thermometers that are like Celsius. And so we're taking our temperature of our kids who think they have a fever and they're like 30 degrees. That means they're dead if it's Fahrenheit. So I have to like go to Google to figure out what my kid actually has. We're so used to getting the answers right away and yet God doesn't seem very interested in giving us all the answers we want right away the way we want them. What I found in my moment of prayer and what I believe David found in a lifetime of relationship with God, being a man after God's own heart, is this, that prayer is not about, or that the goal of prayer is not about hearing answers, but it's about hearing his voice. The goal of prayer is not about hearing answers, his answers, God's answers, but it's to hear his voice. And there's a vast difference there. And at first, unless you make that difference, you're going to find yourself set up to be frustrated, not getting the answers you're looking for. The goal is to hear his voice because sometimes our answers that we're looking for are not the answers we need. 
There has to be a belief that God knows better, that God's ways are higher than our ways. And we think we know what we need, but God really knows what we need for today in the moment. God wants to speak to you about your life. Maybe not your future spouse or your future career or the college you're going to go to or how you're going to fix a problem. And he does give answers. Don't get me wrong. He will give answers. He'll give insight. He'll give direction. But if that's all we use him for, he's just the glorified Google in the sky. The goal is not to get the answers. It's to, get, to hear his voice. How in the world can David say, don't fret, trust? How can he say the things he said in Psalm 37? Because he's heard the voice of the Lord. When you hear the voice of the Lord, even if you don't get the answers you want, a couple things happen. First of all, and this is probably where I want to sit for just a moment, we find pleasure in his presence. When you hear the voice of the Lord, I was praying and I stopped and said, oh man, I don't, pleasure in his presence. Listen, I stopped. I was like, okay, I don't get the answers I want, I guess. So I just kind of stopped and kind of said, God, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you placed me where you placed me, the friends I had. And all of a sudden, something inside of me began to well up. And, and then all of a sudden, it was like God was absolutely present. And I was overcome and overjoyed with just enjoying him. Did I get the answers I wanted? Absolutely not. Did I get something better? Absolutely. There is pleasure in his presence. When you hear his voice and you sense his presence, listen, there's something called the, the shorter catechism of the Westminster Catechism, and they, they, they boiled down the Christian life to this. They said man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The truth of the matter is we are called into relationship. We are called into enjoying him. He desires for us to enjoy him. He didn't set this thing up so he could be like Google in the sky. He set this up to have a relationship with us. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, you know, there's a bunch of people who, we're not going to get into circumcision, but he, he talks about this problem and he says they want to brag about how they live their life. I live my life better than them, but all of that is just rubbish compared to knowing Christ. That Christ is not the means to an end, but Christ is the end. He's the goal. He's the prize. He's the treasure of our heart. That Christ means more than all of his accomplishments. He used the word rubbish. All of this that I could brag about is nothing compared to knowing Him, that there's pleasure in His presence. And I enjoyed God's presence when I heard, when I sensed His presence because His voice was real. It wasn't my answers. But when you enjoy His presence and you hear His voice, we begin to do that. Listen, Judah Smith, you, many of you know Judah. He's a Seahawks fan. That's an important tidbit so you know how wise he is. He says this, if I have Jesus and I, and I have nothing else, I have everything. If I have Jesus but I have nothing else, I have everything because Jesus is everything. How does that change how we live our life if Jesus is everything, if he is the prize, he is the joy? It doesn't matter. Things begin to not really matter as much because I have everything in him. Rick Warren is a pastor who's not nearly as cool and you guys don't know who he is. If you're older, you do. He writes this, he says, knowing God is our greatest privilege and being known and loved by God is our greatest pleasure. I would venture to say in this room, the pleasure of his presence is something that we all can identify with. We've had those moments, those special moments that I pay money to go to camp for. But I tell you what, you could enjoy his presence tomorrow morning next to your bed or in your living room. 
because he's made us for a relationship with him. I don't want to stay here too long because I could go on and on. I fear, though, growing up like a church kid like you guys, that I felt my, my life was all about what I did for God and whether or not he was pleased with me. And you should know by now, because of the cross, he's pleased with you. You put your trust in him. But not just that, but he desires to spend time with you. And there's, there's, there's joy in that. There's, there's relationship in that. <laughs> we talk about God having a relationship with us, but then we always kind of reduce it down to like the do's and don'ts, right? Do you enjoy hanging out with your friends? Does it bring like a spark to your eye and pep at your step? The same thing can be had with the Lord. I'm not saying every single time. I'm not saying that there's not dry seasons or seasons where he's silent. We're going to get there in a moment and we'll talk about some practical stuff. I, I want to, oh gosh. The next thing is this, that there's peace from him. This is, a three, this is not a three-point sermon. It's a one-point sermon and it was the first thing you saw. This is just kind of the things that come out of hearing his voice rather than the answers because his voice is far greater than the answers. There's peace from his perspective. Oh, that's a third thing. The second thing is this, that there's power for his purposes. And I'll, I can go back and forth. Now, his, his main purpose is for us to enjoy him, but his other purposes are for us is to shine light, to stand, to stand tall, to stand firm in our faith, to share his message, to love others. And if you read Psalm 37, you see David, who lived a life after God's own heart, David, who was a man of prayer and had a relationship with the Lord, he had power to live out the very things he's telling us we should live out, but it came in that relationship. And then there's peace from his perspective. The words like trust, don't fret. We sing a song as a kid, I have the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. How do we get a peace that passes understanding unless we hear the voice of the Lord? And oftentimes the voice of the Lord just illuminates his word. He's not going to tell you something different that, that he didn't say in the Bible. He's not going to like contradict himself. But very often it's something that's very similar. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says a very similar thing talking about possessions and worry and what am I going to do with my life and how do I going to eat and dress? And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything will be, you know, then, then, then things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom and God's got you. There is peace because you get God's perspective. His voice is far greater than, than our answers that we're looking for because his ways are higher than ours. I said, we think we know what we need, but he knows ultimately what we need. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to show up. Just show up. And the day that you feel like you struck out in prayer, show up the next day. If you're truly wanting to speak and to hear from Him, and not just trying to check mark, I did my devotions and I prayed today, therefore God should be happy with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wager that all the adults and the students alike there's seasons where my, my faith becomes more of a religion, believing the right thing and doing the right things. And there are seasons where there's a relationship with God. And I tell, I tell people they could have a relationship with God. But sometimes I even fail to live out what a relationship could be like and how exciting it could be like. Like, I want to know my wife, not just believe that she exists. You know what I'm saying? Just show up. I mentioned last week, when Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking, show up and ask. Show up and seek and show up and knock. I can't tell you how God will speak to you and what his voice will sound like because we see in Scripture there's, there's, there's different ways that he does things. The burning bush? Easy. A talking donkey? Yes. You remember Samuel as a little boy? 
The prophet Samuel, when God called him, he heard someone yell, Samuel. He went to the priest, Eli. thought, he called me? Nope. Just a regular voice. And there's a prophet Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 who's complaining to God that all of Israel is abandoned. He's the only one left. And God's like, go, go up to the mountain and hear me. Let me read that to you. 1 Kings chapter 19. I am wrapping it up, but I want you to hear this. Starting in verse 11. Then he said, this is God, and Elijah's speaking. Elijah's writing this. So Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by in a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke it in pieces tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord, you still know this story, was not in the wind. Mighty wind, tore the mountains, broke the rocks, but God wasn't in the wind. We kind of expect God to be in the wind, especially as Pentecostals. Like, woo, God's loud and proud and he's going to tell me about it, right? I mean, like, but he says it's not in the wind. Then after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire but the Lord was not in the fire. Then after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him. And he gives him instructions on what to do. But the, the point that I'm trying to make just out of this passage, it wasn't in the fire, it wasn't in the, the loud wind, it wasn't in the earthquake. It was in a whisper. It's very different than a burning bush. So I can't give you a formula, this is how you will hear, hear God, this is how it works. But I will tell you, you won't hear him unless you go, unless you fight for it. John Piper is a pastor, I think he's a retired author. He wrote a book, When I Don't Desire God, and I bought it when I was a missionary, because I was on the other side of the world and I didn't really desire God, like I was working for him, I didn't really want to be with him. That's a little bit of, that's a long story though. But he writes in this book, listen, joy is promised to us as believers, at the same time, it's something we have to fight for. Like God could drop in on the middle of your day and, 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 and remind you and speak to you and bring you joy and give you direction without showing up. Because he's good like that. But if you show up day after day, moment after moment, and protect it and make it a priority, not to earn brownie points with a God who's keeping score, but to hear his voice, and what he would say for you for today. I'm convinced you'll hear his voice. Why? Because week one, he loves you. He wants to spend time with you. Because week two, he wants to talk to you about your life. But you're only going to hear him if you listen. May we seek his voice. Because in his voice, we find his presence. In his voice, we find power. And in his voice, we find peace. The band's going to come right now. We're going, to, we're going to respond in a time of prayer. Because I was preparing this message, I thought about you all. I've seen you at camp and on mission trips. I've seen you in this room. And if you're like me, there's moments where God's super close and near and dear. And there's moments when he's far away. That's probably just the reality of life. But don't let that be an excuse for not seeking him. For not showing up. Matter of fact, today I, I would imagine there are people in this room who would say, man, I, I feel dry and thirsty and I need a fresh touch of his presence in my life. I'm looking at circumstances and I want to hear the Lord's voice because 
I need the peace that comes. Not when he gives me some elaborate plan to become a millionaire and live in a big house, but when he says, I'm here and I'm with you and I have you. Or maybe there's something that you feel God wants you to do and you're like, God, I, I can't do that on my own. But when you hear his voice, that he's called you, that he's with you, we find power in that. It doesn't come from ourselves, but it comes because this is God's business. Would you stand with me as we, we're going to sing this song. But as always, I want to invite you to find an opportunity to, to respond in whatever way you would like to respond in. If you would say, man, I'm hungry for, for God's presence, for his power, for his peace. I want to hear his voice. You've got to show up. You've got to show up tomorrow morning or tomorrow night or tonight. You've got to show up. But I'm convinced that even right now, if you seek him, that he's there. Maybe just a glimpse of what's ahead. I'm going to have leaders come up front. and They're going to pray with you. If you'd like to pray with the leader, we have benches, we have walls, we have seats. You can sit and find a place to pray. You can journal, you can write a note to God, or you can stand here and sing this song. But in the next few moments, however you choose to respond, make it about, God, I want to hear your voice. And I don't even know exactly what that's going to look like, God. But you speak to your people. And maybe it's not the answers. Lay aside our answers, trusting that he knows better. He knows your situation. He's able to handle your situation. And he has a good plan for you. Pray to listen. Not for the answers you're necessarily looking for, although they may come. Pray to hear his voice. This will give you what you need today.